Hello, my name is Brian Delaney, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Road Safety at Rush Hour, a podcast dedicated to discussing the latest topics in roadway safety and innovation. This podcast is presented by the Roadway Safety Foundation, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the frequency and severity of motor vehicle crashes, injuries, and fatalities through improvements to roadway systems and their environment. My guest on this episode is Jonathan Adkins, Executive Director of the Governor's Highway Safety Association, or as I'll be referring to it today, GHSA. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, Brian. Thank you. Absolutely. And to give a little background to GHSA for our listeners who might not be aware, you're a national nonprofit organization representing the state and territorial highway safety offices that implement federal grant programs to address behavioral highway safety issues. And particularly today, we're going to talk a lot about pedestrian and bicycle safety in the context of what is happening throughout the United States and across the globe, focusing primarily on the United States with the COVID-19 pandemic that is taking place right now. But before we get into that, Jonathan, GHSA does a lot of great work in the realm of pedestrian and bicycle safety. And so recently, pedestrian safety has been a major topic of conversation on the Road Safety at Rush Hour podcast And throughout the United States, among our field of transportation safety and transportation industry, I actually just read a new report that your organization, GHSA, just released, and it predicts that 6,590 pedestrian fatalities occurred in 2019 as the highest number in more than 30 years. Jonathan, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about this report and what you see regarding pedestrian safety throughout the U.S., so yeah, so it, that report is recent. It was just a few weeks ago, although in the age of uh, COVID-19, it now feels like months and months ago. Every day um, feels like a week. I know, right? <laughs> but, but, that's, but that said, the report found um, some pretty alarming trends. Um, we were able to, um, to get the uh, initial pedestrian death to- totals um, from all the states. Um, we do this every year and we make a projection and we projected uh, nearly 6,600 pedestrians will have lost their lives in 2019 when that final number comes out. That's about a 5% increase um, from the uh, previous year and a 30 uh, plus year high. And this is coming um, at a time where we are making progress overall in roadway safety. Um, drunk driving is down, overall deaths are down. So what's happening? Um, our cars are becoming safer, uh, our roads are becoming safer, Um, But as pedestrians, uh, when we're out, we're just as vulnerable as we ever were in the past. Unfortunately, we don't have a a new set of uh, armor or we don't have any new safety devices uh, on us as humans like we have uh, in our vehicles. So um, it's it's a big concern and a big priority of the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Right. And with the COVID-19 pandemic, we're going to talk a lot about bicycle uh, safety and bicycle fatalities as as we go on in this conversation. But I wanted to ask, there's a lot of concern about the trends with regards to transportation fatalities on our roadways. There's obviously uh, almost a halt in how society has been operating because of this pandemic. And so the amount of people on the roads are slowing down. Do you think that pedestrian fatalities, that amount of people that are going to you know be involved in crashes be higher because there's more pedestrians and bicyclists on the road or how do you think that this pandemic is going to impact trends going forward well we're just starting to get some preliminary numbers um 
for the last month or so since we've been in this uh, situation with COVID-19. Um, and there are some surprising things. Um, while you would expect overall the traffic deaths have gone down, um, that may be the case. We don't, we're not ready to say that yet, but it's certainly not the case across the country. Uh, Minnesota, as an example, has seen a spike in traffic deaths um, during this period. Um, some good news is that we are seeing uh, impaired driving, uh, decreasing drunk driving deaths. Um, not surprising, uh, restaurants and bars are closed. Uh, we're not socializing. Um, there are no sports activities going on. Um, casinos are closed. Uh, so it's not surprising that drunk driving is going down. Um, but what we are seeing, and it's, it's mostly anecdotal, but we're seeing it pretty consistently, is that speed-related crashes are going up. Um, when people are out, um, there's not as much traffic, and so they're going a lot faster. And so if they have a crash, if they hit a, a, hit a pedestrian, hit a bicyclist, um, that crash is more likely to be fatal um, than it maybe normally would when speeds are a little bit lower. And so there's some encouraging news as far as drunk driving, but um, Overall, even though um, traffic levels are declining, um, we're not quite ready yet to, to, to be too uh, optimistic, unfortunately. Sure. Yeah, and that does make sense, though, that the amount of impaired driving crashes would be lower than usual, or, or at least they're projecting that way because people are, are inside and they're participating in social distancing. And so uh, it's interesting to see how the dynamic has changed a lot. And I'll be interested to see if potentially impaired pedestrians are texting and walking or uh, also obviously being under the influence of alcohol and drugs. So interested to see how that might play out within this pandemic. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, there's about 857 bicyclists killed in traffic crashes in the United States in 2018. And as you might expect, when a crash occurs between a vehicle and a bike, it's the cyclist who is most likely to be injured. Now, in this age of COVID-19, Jonathan, obviously both you and I are based here in Washington, D.C., and we're seeing our infrastructure be repurposed and adapted to accommodate social distancing activities such as biking and walking, running, jogging, etc. Even food delivery services via bike or, or, or walking. And so with that being said, I'm sure you're familiar with Rock Creek Park. And for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with Rock Creek Park, it's a huge urban park located in Northwest D.C. And basically what uh, the mayor of D.C. has done is repurposed some of the roads. So for example, Beach Drive in Rock Creek Park and roads in Anacostia Park and Fort DuPont Park are being closed to vehicle traffic so pedestrians and bicyclists can exercise. And as these changes are being implemented, pedestrians and bicyclists adapt and obviously they need to take new routes to exercise and even travel. Jonathan, GHSA focuses a lot on behavioral safety. And I wanted to ask what behavioral bicycle safety tips or recommendations are particularly relevant and useful right now during this pandemic as travel is changing? Well, speed is the biggest factor um, in, in, in traffic crashes. It's one of the biggest factors generally, but um, particularly right now. And so um, we really need drivers to slow down. Um, if you're going out, uh, slow down. Uh, it, it's going to make a big difference. Um, the last thing we want to do is have 
uh, folks end up in the emergency rooms, which are already crowded. Um, even if you're not significantly injured, you're going to be taking um, protection equipment away and medical resources uh, from people who may need to be treated by the virus. Um, and even again, if you aren't particularly hurt, uh, you don't want to have the exposure of being in a hospital. That's not a great place to be right now. And so speed is a, is, is a big factor. Um, from the bicyclist perspective, the, the number one thing you can do um, to reduce your injury uh, is, uh, is to wear a helmet. Um, that way, if you crash, that's, that, that protective equipment um, does, does make a big difference. Um, we need to make sure that whether we're drivers and in, in, in vehicles or on a bicycle, um, that, we're, that we're not impaired. That doesn't mean that you can't you know, have, a, have a glass of wine um, six feet apart from one of your neighbors and take your bike home. But it, it does mean that if you're too hammered to get behind the wheel, you probably shouldn't be driving, taking a bicycle either. Um, your judgment's gonna be impaired. You may not see a vehicle. You may not see something else on the road. Um, and we also have some, some bicyclists out there right now that aren't typically used to biking. Maybe they're, they're working from home. Uh, maybe they're not working at all. Um, and so they may have some time um, and they wanna get out um, and enjoy um, nature. It's spring in a lot of the country. And because we're socially distancing, some of our only opportunities to, to get outside of our, our homes or apartments um, is to get on a bike ride. Right, the pandemic is hitting large cities like New York, Washington DC, Los Angeles, et cetera, particularly hard. And in rural and suburban neighborhoods, it's important to consider these behavioral tips and recommendations as well. It applies everywhere. I'm talking to you today from West Virginia. Um, and while we don't maybe have as many bicyclists out here per capita as we do in New York City and Washington, D.C., um, it's, this is God's country, as they say. It's very beautiful out here. We do have people uh, wanting to bike, uh, wanting to get outside, and that's a good thing. Whether it's um, walking or biking, uh, we don't want to discourage people from, from taking those actions and being able to um, commute in a way uh, that doesn't involve a vehicle, uh, and so we want to make sure that um, that the roads are safe for them, uh, both from the engineering side uh, and the behavioral side. GHSA works with states all across the United States, every state. What are you hearing from your members about their infrastructure needs as travel patterns change, more people are biking, and there's more pedestrians on the roads as they socially distance? Are, are you aware of any examples of changes on how our roads are being used? Well, we're seeing a lot of, particularly in urban areas, but not, not exclusively, um, more roads that are, are, are being uh, closed to, to drivers right now so that folks can be out walking and biking and being, being able to socially distance. And that's, that's a really good thing. And that there, anytime we have um, awful experiences in our country, broadly, some good things typically come from them. Um, think about 9-11. We, we had a, at least a period of time where the country was unified. Hopefully, um, there'll be some good to come out of COVID-19 as well. And maybe one of the things that comes out is that um, we, we make sure that our streets better accommodate um, bicyclists and pedestrians, not, not just in urban areas, but really across the country. Uh, there's a, a significant health benefit to biking, a significant health benefit to walking, um, a big benefit to the environment. Um, these are things that should be encouraged. And we're not anti-car, but we want to give people the choice. And if they choose to bike and ride, um, that's good for everyone. Sure. And I think you brought up a great point. We're in a really interesting point within our country because a lot of our, it really is showing that our infrastructure can be repurposed um, and adaptable 
when situations like like this happen and it definitely tells us a lot about what our roads are capable of indeed we need to our our roads need to be flexible for different situations um and the roads you know we need to get away from this completely car centric mentality um the roads are for everyone not just for those driving uh cars and trucks going back to the changing in riders bikers walkers patterns of travel as roads like rock creek park like beach drive and other roads in some of the parks in dc and i'm sure uh, there's other examples throughout the country of of roads being closed or or being prioritized for bikers and walkers when we think about people becoming conditioned to their road environment obviously situational awareness driver conditioning, things along those lines where road users become conditioned to their driving patterns and and almost have this tunnel vision as they drive down different roads. They can become inside their own head, distracted within the road. What does this sort of idea mean for different groups of road users? Like what what will we need to be especially aware of to stay safe given changing travel patterns and conditions? Well, it starts at the beginning from the design stage and from the engineering stage and, and, and prioritizing um, that the roads and that when we're trying to get from point A to point B, they can't just be designed for vehicles. Um, there need to be bike lanes. There need to be separated places for pedestrians to walk so that um, if a driver makes an error, um, it's an error. It's not a fatal error. Um, we need to accommodate uh, human error. Humans are not perfect and they're not going to be perfect. They're going to make mistakes. And so... Um, we want the roadway to, roadways to be as forgiving as possible, much like vehicles are. Vehicles, we've made tremendous progress um, in vehicle safety. Vehicles are safer than they've ever been before. We've lane departure technology and, and better airbags and, and just, just better equipped safe safety features. Um, the roads need to be designed the same way. Exactly. There's an organization called the Sandy Johnson Foundation. Roadway Safety Foundation is very involved with this organization. And so they they talk a lot about driver conditioning, which is basically where drivers become conditioned to respond to different traffic patterns and road conditions that remain consistent over an undefined period of time. And I think that this concept is going to be something that is going to be particularly important during the age of COVID-19 and this pandemic as road uses are shifting and the infrastructure is changing as the pandemic plays out and, and we're trying to promote people's safety through social distancing and more walking and biking centric infrastructure. Here's hoping. to ask one final question um jonathan i I like to ask this question to all of our our guests and the question i wanted to ask was from your perspective what does the future look like for road safety and infrastructure with zero transportation fatalities as both ghsa and roadway safety foundation's goal what needs to happen going forward well it's it's a really good question i think we're starting to see um, some of that, that the key things happen, and that's that everybody's working together. Um, years ago in transportation safety, you had the, what we call sort of the road builders on one side, the behavioral folks on another, and the city folks in another corner, and engineers in another. Um, and so getting everybody on the same page with that same goal, uh, it's not going to be one or the other. 
Um, I think that's one of the lessons from Vision Zero is that um, even in an urban environment like New York, where we've made a lot of progress with the infrastructure, you still need the behavioral components. You still need to educate the public and you still have to enforce laws. Um, the flip side of that is we're not going to educate and enforce our way to zero either. It's going to take that strong infrastructure presence, that strong EMS presence. Um, and so I, th I think there's a, a, a better understanding amongst all the different um, players in roadway safety that we have to work together and that there's not a, a, magic, a magic solution to get to zero. Um, autonomous vehicles are not going to get us there in and of themselves. Um, We've been, you know, I, I've been hearing that we're three years away from a fully self-driving vehicle for the last 10 years. Um, we're not, we're not there yet, and we're not going to be there. And even when we get closer, um, humans still may have to take over in, in certain certain times as road conditions uh, apply. Um, so we've got a lot of work to do, but clearly having folks work together um, toward that that singular goal of zero deaths is critical. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think. Bringing together everyone, and I think the Road to Zero Coalition is a great example. Um, your your organization bringing together states and associate members and different partners to make sure that we touch on and we address each component of road safety, infrastructure, enforcement, education, engineering, and and combining those all together. I think that 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 is a really important part of. Uh, the solution towards reaching zero, towards this goal, I should say, is is combining everyone together to work together. Jonathan, I wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today on the podcast and sharing your insights during this very odd and unprecedented COVID-19 pandemic and what the roads look like across the country and, and how we can promote safety and make sure that our bicyclists, pedestrians, and, and all road users at that remain safe. I really appreciate you sharing your insights and thank you for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity and for the important work you're doing. Thank you. So in closing, on behalf of the Roadway Safety Foundation, I would like to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of our podcast series, Road Safety at Rush Hour. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Roadway Safety Foundation and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast network. As always, this is Brian Delaney signing off, wishing you safe travels all day and every day. 